0: There's only one authority on the Tennessee Titans, and that's the Tennessean. And there's only one show that's an authority, too. And you've found it. This is Talkin' Titans. Hey, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Talkin' Titans. Joe Rexrode, Tommy D's, Eric Baccarat here in the new Tennessean studios. Very shiny, very clean, very nice. Probably, I feel almost out of place here, guys. <laughs> uh, but uh, we are talking about the same thing, the Tennessee Titans offseason season. And we're going to talk a little bit about rookie minicamp. But before we get to that, I want to talk to Eric about a story he just mm-hmm. wrote. and did a lot of reporting on. And the guy that we didn't see at rookie minicamp was Jeffrey Simmons. Of course, he's rehabbing ACL. I was still hoping that we'd you know, get another chance to talk to him. They sure. did not make him available. The Titans did not make him available. But you spent a lot of time kind of going back through. There was all this reaction to Jeffrey Simmons mm-hmm. being drafted. Everyone said their bit. He had a, a teleconference. He had a press conference. The Titans people said their thing. But you went back and really kind of investigated what they did to investigate him. Tell us about that story.
1: Yeah, well, I mean, you know, the biggest thing with with Simmons was that, uh, you know, it was the most controversial pick they could have made at the time, and you kind of wonder, for a team that's 9-7, and that's looking to sort of get over the hump, why take a guy that, number one, has a significant red flag in his history, just with uh, an off-the-field incident, a guy that, you know, is probably not going to play a significant portion of the season. So a lot of questions arise from that, and you kind of just look at, Three, the three things that I sort of divvied up the story into were it was a matter of honing in on his talent. That was obviously the biggest thing. They couldn't ignore the fact that he was a top five talent to them. Uh, he was the highest guy on their board. And the fact that he was still there, they, had to, they felt compelled to take him despite a few risks. And then there was the faith in his recovery from ACL an ACL injury on his left knee. That was something that, you know, they spoke with doctors at Mississippi state about the trainers there. I spoke with the, the trainer at Mississippi state because that's where he began his ACL surgery or ACL rehab. Uh, and the Mississippi state head doctor performed that surgery. I spoke with, you know a bunch of people there just on how he's doing and what they expect sort of the time frame to be and their expectations for recovery because it's it's a little bit different for you know alignment as opposed to a quarterback or a wide receiver coming back because a heavier guy could be uh, a, a different type of rehab for, for a bigger guy so I kind of explored you know just how far he had to come ACL wise and what they expected you know a bunch of people down there said they wouldn't bet against Jeffrey Simmons coming back at some point this season. You know, take that for what it's worth. Uh, he had the surgery. I think February 19 was the day. So you do the math around nine months, maybe. So he might, you know, if they can play but, it safe and just
0: unleash him in the Super Bowl. Yeah,
1: exactly. Right. There you go. That he should be fine by the Super Bowl, and then also just just faith in his character. That was, you know, the big thing that was spoken about after immediately after the pick. And we, we saw the way Amy Adams Strunk sort of defended him and supported him, I should say, and how he reacted to that. And obviously that speaks volumes just about how, you know, uh, Mike Vrabel and John Robinson and Strunk were all on the same page with this. And so, you know, they said that they went back and, and spoke with countless people from Jeffrey Simmons's life, just people that he knew, uh, people around the community. And so I tried to track down as many people as I could that were close to him, just to sort of see what the Titans might have heard. And, you know, it's easy to see exactly what they might have heard, just sort of this sweeping endorsement, uh, all positive of, of what Jeffrey Simmons is, who he is, and just how this one incident, you know, when he was a, a senior in high school, uh, it was just a completely out-of-character thing, uh, and how they were able to quickly realize that just from speaking with a bunch of people and get comfortable with that and that was obviously a really big factor and sort of them just you know being able to pull the trigger on a guy that you know they knew they were going to have to answer for immediately
2: yeah and there's two things that come to mind when i think of this and you really kind of let the tape play so to speak and think it all the way through and and like you said, he's kind of a red shirt guy, um, mm-hmm. and and the NFL. So they must have thought he was a top, like you said, top five talent. I don't think you take a guy that you thinks the number nineteen talent at number nineteen if you don't get him the first year, right? So so there seemed to be some evidence of of believing that. I, I would assume that they just think this guy's like a a real lottery type pick.
1: Yeah, and I mean they weren't the only ones. You know, most people had him as a top ten talent, and some had him as a top five. And there were some teams that might have just crossed them off because of the off the field incident. So there's a lot of things to weigh, but you know the talent thing was was obviously so enticing that they couldn't pass them up at 19.
2: Which which makes me wonder if if in, there's no way to know. Do you think they talked themselves into believing all the character stuff? because they wanted him so bad it's like well you know his coach says he's really a good kid you know um you know i i wonder i wonder and and i don't know and i don't know that we know we can find out uh you know did they talk to the victim of this and say you know well let me tell you what had been going on you know let me tell you what the the text i got later you know and i don't know that any of that happened but you don't know if you don't ask if you only ask people that are kind of in his corner. You're probably going to get ringing endorsements. If you ask people at Mississippi State, they're going to say yes. They're not going to say, gosh, he's a terrible character. That's why we let him in and kept him. They're going to say, we found him to be... So I wonder if there was another layer of that, I guess.
1: Yeah, for sure. And, you know, I I think this wasn't the first time, you know, you kind of just think about the, the vetting process that he had to go through. This was the second time that it's happened because the incident occurred, I believe it was March 2016, and he had committed to Mississippi State a month earlier. So Mississippi State had to go through the same thing. You know, I spoke with Scott Strickland, who's now the Florida AD. And, you know, the thing that stuck out to me was he was he said, uh, it was almost like he was looking for a reason not to to believe in him with just speaking with people as many people as he could. He was just looking for one reason to to sort of you know go the other way, and he couldn't find any
0: i think with go ahead tommy
1: no go ahead you go ahead well, Joe, I, was just, I
0: think I think with things like this like you said you're all yes, you will always find people who will back up the kid especially. You know, if he, you know, if he had a productive college career, which he—it's the only way he's going to be. Especially if
2: they play. already backed him up I'll let him play. You know,
0: exactly. I do think that if you, you know, if you want to compare like unsolicited endorsements, I would say there are more for this than I've seen in other cases like this. Mm-hmm. I mean, there were people. You know, out trying to flail around like guys. This guy's, this kid's great. You know.
2: Yeah, and I am not. By the way, I'm not. I'm not suggesting he's not. That there are things we don't know about. That I'm just suggesting that you don't know if there are things unless you dig deep enough.
0: Absolutely. And another thing here is, I mean, really, I, I'm, I'm inclined to believe what everyone has said, which is, this is out of character you know, he he's done everything right. Like, I'd be shocked if we found out at some point, oh, actually, Mississippi State covered up this and this that he did. Like, I don't think that's true. But this incident is an example of someone losing control and uh-huh. And I understand the circumstances around it that Jeffrey Simmons said, but it's still an example of someone losing control. And you can put yourself in those shoes and say, would you would you be angry? Of course. Would you want the fight to end? Of course. Would you do what he did? I think. A lot of people would say, "No, you can't cross that line." So that you still know. I mean, that's where the risk is to me. I mean, you still know this is someone who, at least in that moment, and it wasn't that long ago, you know, lost his mind, which he has admitted to. So, I mean, that that's
2: yeah, and,
0: always going to be there.
2: And here's the final question on him, and these are questions I'm sure the Titans have asked themselves and tried to find the answers to talking to others. Is as he was on some kind of kind of almost like a mandatory counseling program at mississippi state he was on a tight rein i think there was a lot of when the other guys are going out on friday night you're not going out when other guys are going out saturday night you're not going out titans can't do that he's a adult he's a professional there's not something you will kick you out of school or whatever he's a, he's a grown man if he decides to go out on on you know down on lower broad uh on thursday night uh before the game and i imagine he'll just do that and there's not the kind of controls that have been there. I wonder about the guy who's, you know, the, the person who's grown up with a lot, you know, the real strict parents that gets to go off to college for the first time and now they go a little wild. He hasn't had that opportunity and that freedom. And, and we don't know what happens when he has that.
0: Yeah, that's a good point. Before we get to the other rookies and things we saw this weekend, another thing about the pick, and you mentioned the redshirt thing, Tommy, we haven't talked about this much, but I mean this pick also to me is a little bit of a security pick to me for John Robinson and especially John Robinson, but John Robinson and Mike Vrabel. Like I think if I mean look, Vrabel's going into his second year, so why wouldn't he feel secure? But this is the NFL too, and things go fast. John Robinson making this pick, <coughs> I could see John Robinson thinking there's some urgency here, even though you know he's taken them from five and twenty-seven to three straight nine and seven. Still, some point you want to move on from that. You think you're close you feel like you've got to get an instant impact guy. You know, Picking him tells me he feels pretty good about him being around. And I th- and I think based on everything we've seen from Amy Adams Strunk, I-, I get why he'd feel that way. It's also, if you're Marcus Mariota, who would never say anything bad about anything ever, you might look at this and say, man, like next year's my prove-it year. It would have been nice to have someone who's going to come right in from day one and help me win more games. I mean, of course, he's not thinking selfishly, but I'm just saying... It is. It's his year. It's his money year. It's all that. And their first-round pick is not going to be a factor in what they do. So those are just two things that I thought kind of long after the fact about the pick.
2: Yeah, and football is a holistic game. So you can say, well, you know, what helps the quarterback? Receivers and offensive linemen and running back. Defense helps quarterback, too. Winning. Yeah, yeah, because that's ultimately what your job is. But if if your defense is able to get it where you only have to score – Twenty points to win that that helps you yes it does
0: so let's go to the other guys aj brown i let me tell people you know how this goes you know eric's a good beat writer shows up every day is at everything and then the columnist comes in and says, yeah, i'm gonna write aj brown <laughs> eric exactly you do the happened. rest okay
2: yeah so yeah i, I'm, I, I'm I sit in a... the office and read the tweets so <laughs> so. <laughs> and so and so you know the guy we're about to discuss i've actually seen probably play more football than you guys have okay. but yeah, go absolutely ahead
0: you also sent out some good gifts by the way uh but yeah AJ Brown look i mean he he jumps out at you jumps out at you when you watch him play football which is more important but the rookie minicamp we didn't get a lot of time we got what 15 20 minutes i guess to 20 watch. minutes yeah so you're talking individual some stretching a little bit of individual but even in that time I mean, he is he is a specimen, and everything I've seen and heard from him so far, I've been impressed.
1: Yeah, well, I mean, I think that's the biggest thing to me that that struck me was just that he's a specimen. He's six one, I think two twenty six. He's, as you said, built like a linebacker, uh, and he's you know fast. He's got uh, versatility when it comes to where you could play him. He said you know they've they haven't really discussed that yet he's kind of just you know getting a crash course in the playbook right now but that was the one thing that you know just watching them stretch and do individual periods for for 20 minutes that struck me just how how big a duty is
0: and you, you got video of the one-handed catch. Good job.
1: Thanks. Is, is he the
2: edge rusher they've been looking for yeah, at that go. size? Ah, there we go. <laughs> you can at <laughs> least bring him on a blitz, can't you?
0: I, he could. I mean, if I were a quarterback and AJ Brown was coming at me, I'm not. I'm not excited about it.
2: I'm yeah, sure. I will tell you this. I have seen him in person uh, when he was in college more than once, and against a very good defense with a lot of NFL guys on it. He's a very good football player. He's a productive. Football player, and here's what I like about him is if you look at Old Miss, they went through through a string of quarterback injuries. There, they had they had some pretty good guys. One of whom got hurt, ended up at, at Michigan, and you know, um, they, then the guy after him got hurt, and the guy after, him so he, he went through like three quarterbacks in two years. If I'm if I'm not mistaken, and, and the in the, coaching change, yes, and and in the NFL, the, 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 there was some offensive carryover, but still in the NFL, I, I still believe that quarterbacks make receivers more than receivers make quarterbacks but in college I think it can work the other way around. I will say that I don't remember any real drop off with this guy as they went through those and they were all pretty decent quarterbacks mm-hmm. but still you would expect, you know, chemistry, being on the same page. He can catch he's got a great catch radius which you saw with the one-handed catch. Mm-hmm. He can catch anything. He's got the body, he's worked slot, he's worked outside, you know, he is not I don't think in the NFL to take the top off the defense guy that's the burger, the 4-3 right? yeah. guy but yeah. but I kind of like the big body more than the 4-3 guy particularly to walk in and help Marcus Mariota when you talked about the first round pick well this is a pick that that should help him he's a big target he can catch you know and you sometimes you see that really good athlete who who doesn't quite have the hands part down he has to work on that I think this guy does and he can he can he can take a load off a quarterback because he's a good check down guy, and, and I think he'll be more than that in time.
0: Well, and look, another thing you're on a
2: slant with this guy. He's not, the, you yeah, know, he can shield a defender.
0: Yeah, right. And of course, the thing we don't know, and he's talking about studying everything, which I think is good, and spending extra time, and he was spending extra time in the practice field. But, like, playing receiver in the NFL is not the same as playing receiver at college. What he did at Ole Miss, there's way more to the whole deal than uh, what he's going to do now. Reading defenses, knowing what to run against, what
2: you know, route adjustments, blah blah blah. Yeah, I
0: mean, so and that's where that position you do see you know you've got the occasional guy who's just too good to be uh, limited as a rookie, but a lot of guys take time, so we'll see. I mean, I think everyone's in a rush to okay, Taywan Taylor, go have a seat. Tajay Sharp, thanks for playing, but. You know, we'll see Um, physically and all that. And, again, he's impressive. But, you, you know, I mean, Taewon Taylor also is impressive, you know, when you talk to him. he's And he is a take-the-top-off-defense sure. kind of guy. Yeah. And I still think he has an important role in this offense. But Taewon Taylor has struggled, admittedly struggled, to pick up those nuances that can really separate performers at that position. So we'll see on that. I I'll be very surprise if A.J. Brown doesn't make an impact this
2: year. Yeah, and you're also talking about you brought in Adam Humphreys. So right. there's going to be some competition right. in that room that I don't really think was there last year. Um, you, you you can weigh in on that. I think the starters were kind of the starters last year, and mm-hmm. if if they didn't produce, they were still kind of the starters last year because they were better. I think there's going to be some competition in that room where where the coaches can say, we got a depth chart here, and if you want to be at the top of it, I got to see that production that I haven't seen the last year or two or whatever out of the current guys.
1: Yeah, I mean the the conversation last year was, which is was, a good thing, for sure. Who, who's going to be the fifth or sixth receiver? You know, is Cameron Batson, Darius Jennings, guys like, you know, trying to fight? And now it's it becomes is Tajay Sharp going to be in that group? You know, he's a guy that's kind of on the fringe now. And and same with Darius Jennings, who's got much more um, of an impact on special teams. And so it kind of becomes a different conversation than it was last year. They've got, I think, some solid depth there. You know, assuming Taewon and Tajay um, could maybe take an, another step. And,
2: and, and until Jeffrey Simmons is really playing, I think that's probably the one room in the off offseason that that has brought in the most competition that will change the most from where it was this year last year. Maybe along with offensive yeah, line. So I was
0: going to say offensive line. Roger Saffold in the yeah. mix, and mm-hmm. you know, of course, Nate Davis. But yeah, right. that's a good right. Well, speaking of, you know, there would have been more competition at receiver last year, but, you know, Richard Matthews decided to sabotage yep. himself. Mm-hmm. By the way, that, bring, that brings to mind did you see the, I don't even know, was it Instagramming? I don't know, Twitter. Yeah, right? where the he it Lafleur? Yeah, yeah, what did he call Lafleur? I don't remember. It was something. I think he said blank, blank Lafleur, something, Sounds something. That's right. Yeah. Yeah, something. this is a really good paraphrasing, but <laughs> yeah. basically
1: he ripped Lafleur for. For his playing time, or, or he like he expected to to come right back in and be a starter, like right. after the injury, and you know it just sort of reeked of entitlement. And yeah, it's disappointing because
0: yeah. I liked Richard here, and he was a good player. It's, it's disappointing yeah. that you would not get
1: it, yeah, to
0: that extent mm-hmm. at this point, you know. But hey, good luck to him. Anyway, who else on the practice field? Stood out to you. There were also the undrafted drafted rookie tryout guys, Brent Stockstill from MTSU. Sure. Winging it around out there. Good to see a lefty throwing NFL passes. Yeah. We were talking about that. Like, There's so few
1: anymore. Um mm-hmm. who who else struck you either on the field or even in the interviews? Uh well, I think David Lawn continues to actually both David Lawn and Amani Hooker, both are well-spoken, articulate guys. Uh you know, Amani Hooker is a guy that uh, adds some some depth to safety and and we kind of spoke about that last time how you know, somebody's bound to get injured. You know, you had Logan Ryan in the secondary get injured last year, and he's a guy that, you know, they traded up for. They really liked him, and he's, he's just well-spoken. seems like he's going to fit in that, with that group with Kevin Byard and Kevin Kenny Vicaro pretty well. He was close, I, pr- I think pretty close, to belting out some Alicia Keys, but he's back. <laughs> That's uh, right. We'll, we'll look forward to that some other time. And uh, David Lawn is another guy that, you know, I think is well spoken. He's got a very Jayon Brown feel to him just with his size and you know how athletic he is and obviously playing the same position. So, you know, John Robinson has a track record of, of recognizing that talent late on day three and, and maximizing that. So, you know, both those guys were well spoken, looked pretty good stretching from what I could tell. <laughs>
2: Yeah, the side straddle hop and, and oh, yeah. all of that, you know. Well, yeah, I just want to see Amani um, Hooker and Amari Cooper show up somehow on okay. Wheel of Fortune because that would go down to the last roll, oh, yeah. I would think. Yeah, how do you how do you know what the next one is? Sooner or later, you got a, div- a divider there. But, no, day three is where drafts are won. So the guys that you're, you were discussing right now, and if they make the team and if they have an impact on the team long term and not just a little special teams here or whatever mm-hmm. – it means you've had a successful draft, or you haven't. And I'm not saying last year's draft wasn't successful, but I believe they had four picks, and one of them didn't make the team. Right. right. If you go three for four with only four picks, you, your draft, even if the first two are really good or whatever, your draft is only so successful. You, they, they had a lot. They added a lot more this year that they hope will stick. Because if you're looking here three years from now and. Nobody you drafted, you know, in the first you know, maybe just your first round guy, that's that that means you're probably not progressing as a team.
0: Yeah, I mean economically that ends up really hurting you because you um,
2: now you're signing free agents who either aren't very good, they're old and broken down, or you've got to pay for it. Or
0: you're just paying more than you know, for right now, I mean I look at David Long and I look at Darren Bates. Right. And I think (laughs) well, of course Darren Bates has a recent incident with marijuana Mm -hmm. pulling up to an officer and you know, could that jeopardize him? Mike Vrabel, you know, said something the other day. You know, he, he wasn't happy with it. Uh, that could be that could be something that hurts Darren Bates. Darren Bates has been an important special teams He's guy, Captain David. Yeah, yeah right. That's right. Mm-hmm. So David Long, to me, maybe he'll get on the field beyond that. He was a tremendous producer at West Virginia, but for sure, he seems like a guy who could be a special teams. And I, I'm not going to lie and say I've watched him a lot on special teams, but he seems like a guy with the right approach athleticism played a lot of good football that could be a real difference maker on special teams and then at some point maybe that makes Darren Bates expendable I mean I'm sure you'd like to have them both but I I can't help but think of Darren Bates when I look at David Long
2: yeah and if he doesn't produce on special teams and isn't on the field otherwise then you, you really did kind of waste a pick you know and maybe and then he's a second year special teams only guy now you've now you've got no real long-term value there but so he's got to get on the field on special teams and i look look at him the exact same way if he can't play special teams then somebody misevaluated. because i i sure look at him and see immediately and and you know i've been around you know i covered alabama a long time i've seen the guys who who get in the league that way and then get on the field and do all that but the guys who don't get on on special teams early and you know can't crack the depth chart aren't there the next year right
0: anyone else nate davis is a guy who's really going to be interesting yeah I think the starting right guard spot is, is there for him. He was talking about, you know, his stance, his stance getting, you know, changing it from could, could basically like a hitch because you're too low that you have to hitch up and then and shoot that that out. that's a second, and, uh, yeah. The NFL, that's not going to work. But no. Vrabel said he's already, when they evaluated him, he had already worked that out. So, uh, But, I mean, he's impressive, too. I mean, we'll see. He, he's big. He looks like he moves well. He seems like a smart guy you know he's he's an intriguing guy too
1: yeah another well-spoken articulate guy who kind of seems to have a good grasp of of everything going on right now and then you you look at the addition of him plus roger saffold that was the big thing you know that that caused marcus Mariota, you know a large part to be sacked more than he had ever in his career last year so just addressing that interior of the offensive line if nate davis is what they hoped you know he is you know i think that's a really big step for marcus Mariota.
2: and and long term i I think we're not sure what this line looks like because there was some other news with a contract not being picked up and renewed
0: that's right jack conklin will not have his option picked up so
2: he will be part of a, the team this year but yes right. it is, it is it, the it, long term
0: fifth year right so this is it's a money year for mariota it's a money year for jack conklin i am not terribly surprised because the average money there is not for a tackle it's right.
1: it's substantial yeah, I think he would have been the high, third highest paid tackle in the had they picked up the option. Right. So I think you know giving him a year to prove himself as opposed to extending him now, to me that that honestly makes sense. Yeah,
0: it makes sense, and I don't think there's a ton of surprise on that end. But yeah, it's it's a huge year for Jack Conklin. Mm-hmm. I will say again, I completely don't think he's a guard, but that you know people will still talk about it. Keeps coming up. Yeah. Um, can he be healthy? Can he produce? Dennis Kelly's right there. I mean, it's a huge, it's a huge year for him.
2: Dennis Kelly's a good insurance policy there. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. you really got to believe that. And and Conklin may be the guy he was that that they drafted, or he may be that after the injury he's not. And and you don't want to invest that much money in a guy who's who last year even when he was on the field was not as good as he had been previously. We agree there, right? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. So, it's good to have Dennis s- Kelly. Yeah. yeah, so so Dennis Kelly was I think their best right, right tackle towards the end of the season and you know, that that may be because he wasn't 100% Conklin. But Conklin should be 100% going into this year and if he plays like like what Tennessee drafted then he'll make a lot of money. But if he doesn't, this is a very wise move for the Titans. You just can't roll the dice on that kind of money on a guy if you're not sure he's going to be. I mean, you don't pay that kind of money for the guy you think is going to be your third best tackle or sure. might be your third best mm-hmm. tackle.
0: Right. So there you go. Next thing up is OTAs. So Vrabel said the rookies will still sort of be separate from the veterans. Mm-hmm. Real quick, what are, we, what, are we, what are we looking for on the OTAs?
1: What, what's your number one thing? Probably just uh, I, I think how Arthur Smith kind of operates things. You know, I, I think that's something that uh, you know you try to even try during minicamp just to keep an eye on him, see how he's uh, you know running the show now that he's in the big seat. Um, obviously, a guy that's been with the organization longer than anyone else still here. So it'll be interesting to see you know just how things change, how how he tweaks things. You know, the big big word this off season has been continuity, and how things won't change drastically. Uh, you know, for the guys in place. So it'll be just interesting to keep an eye on him and, you know, the players' reactions to, you know, just how things are different this year.
2: Yeah, I think I think that is a chief thing. Just, you know, passing along a playbook is not the same thing as having the same coordinator. Mm-hmm. Uh, when you're running the show, you have to run it your way. You have to call the plays. And, and you know, we won't know really until we get into the season how he is at play calling and sequencing and and all those things. We will not learn that during OTAs. Um, I want to see how how the guys that show potential last year, that that may be ready to step up. The Rashawn Evanses, um, I think he was a different player the second half of last year. You know, mm-hmm. a little bit of a hamstring thing, a little bit of figuring out the playbook, and you know, you don't. Like a friend of mine says, you know, when you when you don't want your pit bull doing arithmetic when you say attack, and and you know, you, he he was not playing instinctively. Mm-hmm. As much as I saw him play in college, and he's not the only guy I'm talking about here, but but those are the guys I want to see. People like that. I want to see if Derrick Henry, which you won't know during OTAs because they won't let him run over people and crush them and destroy them like Godzilla. The right, um, but I want to see as as we move further along in the off season, kind of what what the makeup of what they think they have is. You know, are they practicing last year's kind of screen and draw, dink and dunk? Are they practicing? Hulk Smash, give it a Derek football, uh, which I think you will be able to tell us to some degree when you see what they're doing.
0: Just it's always about the Alabama guys, huh? <laughs> <So> it's,
2: it's, <laughs> yeah. it's, it's about Derek Henry, I'll yeah. tell you that. Yeah. I, I don't know if you saw the offense I saw last year, but the one with without Derek Henry being Derek Henry wasn't too fun.
0: It was not. And Harold Landry, I'd add to that, in, You know, to the point earlier about last year's draft. I mean, I think mean, if, if Evans and Landry are what you thought Evans and Landry could be well then okay the draft looks better and and I
2: want to see what they look like at tight end because you know that that's an interesting position now you got a you got a veteran an older guy who who you know coming off an injury and sometimes that doesn't work so well when you're older um and you you gotta you know I think they did really well at that position for what they had last year but that's probably got to have more production at that position this year.
0: Definitely. So there you have it. We will uh, be back soon with another Talking Titans around OTA time. Thanks for listening. Talking Titans hosts each Thursday at Tennessean.com. You can also subscribe to Talking Titans for free on Apple Podcasts and Google Play. I'm Sean King. Talking Titans is a production of the Tennessean.